Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, hello. So we're going to talk about The Walking Dead tonight. Uh, we, got, <laughs> we got all fresh, freshened up. We spent the last hour discussing you getting caught up, so let's do it. Okay, so, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> wrong show, wrong show. <laughs> but yeah. you did play the walking dead this week although not the tv show but you did actually get a chance to get your hands on the final episode of the final season of clementine's story mm-hmm. so tell me what you thought about telltale's finale of walking dead or i guess it's not even telltales anymore yeah <laughs> but there's there's some weirdness there so the interesting part i can't remember what we covered on the show but um i know we talked about telltale going under and skybound did, yeah. games taking over development hiring back some of the original team and the third episode which was the first effort of this revived team was a little shaky and i kind of wasn't sure whether i could blame that on the new team or 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 the you know the rocky restart uh or blame it on the fact that this is just a game built on a 10 year old engine and yeah is it sorry were there five episodes in the final season or four? There were four. So oh, okay. in this fourth so one. So two done by the original Telltale team, two done by the new team. Yeah, so exactly. And it, it did feel like the last episode, the fourth, was very was much shorter than than previous episodes. And I think that is probably chalked up to the fact that the end of episode three uh basically is like well there's gonna be one big moment and then you're gonna have to end the episode because they they kind of build up to this um so basically clementine and and her i guess adoptive son aj kind of shows up uh, at this new community and it's a school of these kids kind of like a boarding school so there are no parents all the teachers have either abandoned or have died and these kids are left over in this boarding school And And then a horrible character named Jocelyn shows up and then turns all the kids evil. (laughs) (laughs) What? Is that a... What's that mean? Nothing. (laughs) But there is a character that shows up. It's actually Lydia. And she tries to turn all the characters evil. Um, (laughs) And Lydia is a character who you might remember from the first season. She's a character that you sent away. You basically abandoned because she was a little... uh, a little dangerous for the group she was very aggressive i think she ended up in the first season basically taking someone out in an aggressive way by just like kind of shooting them and being like ah, i don't like these people i was like that's not how you treat people okay goodbye um this is vaguely ringing bells i do remember having to send someone away because I, I did play through the first season of mm-hmm. telltale's walking dead so yeah, she she comes back. She I think in episode two she shows up, and basically what's happening is you discover that um, this school, these the leader kid, is trading uh, children for supplies. So basically, for protection, he's sending some of the kids away to, to this group that Lydia is part as part of the they're with the Delta or something, and you don't really know why he's sending kids and why they're taking kids, but you know that basically he's giving kids away from his group in order to um, satisfy this this group, this aggressive group that keeps coming in. And and Lydia is one of those characters uh, that is part of that group. And it kind of, uh, you know, keeps going and you find out that the reason this group is taking kids is because they're training them to be soldiers. 
you know, soldiers are a resource uh, in this war and they're trying to protect their home. And the way they choose to protect their home is by bringing back new trained soldiers, right? It's the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. It's far enough in. Everyone's got to pull their weight, I guess. (laughs) You know, it's it's (laughs) a bit dark. um, And by a bit, I mean very much so. Um, And you do experience that. You do think like, well, how are they training these kids? You know, like, it doesn't make sense. Like, it's too far, far stretched. But you do kind of see the result. You see one of the characters that was presumed missing and she comes back and she's been turned into this hardened, very uh, distraught soldier. But um, yeah, the game, the the game, the story does tell. I mean, we're not going to get into spoilers outside of what we've already talked about. We definitely won't spoil the ending. Um, if you are interested in the ending, we'll probably discuss it on a upcoming Zombies Ate My podcast because we we do spoilers over there very much so with Walking Dead content. Um, but but the ending is satisfying. It, it's a satisfying end to not only Clementine's story, um, but a satisfying end to this run of Walking Dead games. I think if they were to stop making Telltale-esque Walking Dead games, um, I would be okay with that. I think a lot of people would be okay with that, but just from a creative standpoint, I think they they wrap up that, that story, that feeling that you got from the first season to this final season. Um, and yeah, I, I think technically as well, like this, uh, this fourth episode was their strongest yet, but really it would be entertaining to see what they could do with an updated engine in the walking dead universe. I, I think that's something we say every time we play a telltale yeah. game. In in I was going to say still in the telltale style because there is, so there's another zombie game coming out quite soon. Mm. I think um, at the, is it like maybe about a month from now at the end of April, I'm thinking of uh, days gone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so like that looks really interesting even to me who tends not to be crazy into zombies. Um but it are, do you want kind of a, a days gone esque style walking dead game or back to like the telltale style but just you know good? Well see the thing is like I really we both really liked Detroit, uh Become Human. We we like that style of game where it's a like a story driven adventure style. And I'm not, you know, the walking dead uh, zombies. I'm fine with that genre being explored in different ways, but when it comes to the way telltale has kind of portrayed these characters, I do, I would like to see this structure done in an updated engine, you know, think Detroit become human, but it's the walking dead. Like that would be Mm -hmm. really, really cool. You know, like expand the scope a little bit, you know, make it more, make the environments a little larger, more polished, you know, more lifelike. Um, I'm even fine with the comic art style. I thought that the the art style for the final season was was their best one yet. And I, I think it pushes the engine to its absolute maximum. I mean, I don't think you can strap on more duct taped portions <laughs> to this engine. It's kind of, yeah. it's, it's rocketing across the finish line and parts are falling off. Um, and that's, that's not a dark joke about, you know, layoffs and stuff. I think like it was really sad what happened and I'm glad they were able to finish it. Um, I'm a little concerned what happens with these developers now that Skybound Games doesn't, doesn't have a Walking Dead, you know, game on the horizon that we know of. Um, it'd be really shitty of a swan song for this game to be finished and suddenly be like, all right, peace. We have no interest in making more of these, uh, I'd be surprised if that happened. I think like with The Walking Dead 
you have a working formula, you should probably keep going. Mm-hmm. Seems to be AMC's uh, <laughs> sort of uh, motive, but mantra, uh, yeah, <laughs> mantra. Yes, that's the M word. Um, I, I mean, with you know, not. I don't want to. The best way to talk about this is is to spoil it. But for, so what I've said is kind of like you. Can, if you're interested in The Walking Dead, you liked Telltale's sort of portrayal. This is the strongest um, addition to the to the franchise. I think like it's not. You know, season one was my game of the year uh, when it came out. I think that was a combination of it being a new experience, uh, a franchise I like, and it was a a slow... I I hesitate to say a slow year because I'm sure someone could say, like, that was the year Portal 2 came out. You're a monster. (laughs) Um, I can't remember what year that was. Like, it was... Must have been our first year. I think 2011, maybe? Was it that long ago? Yeah, the first season, 2011. Maybe it was 2012. It definitely wasn't, um, it wasn't the year Skyrim came out. So, but, you know, that one, that one was in a different time. This one released now, like, it's still a great game. I think it's structurally, you know, uh, it's got cooler moments than the first season, but I think it's, I think they, they do these characters justice and they, mm-hmm. uh, they fill in some gaps as well that, that are kind of alluded to in, you know, cause there are gaps in time between season three and four and two and three. So they kind of address that a little bit, but yeah, I, I really liked it. I was, it was kind of a, you know, a gut punch kind of, you know, it was a, it was, I'm sad to see it over, but I'm also kind of glad that they've, they've capped it off in this way. You know, it's a satisfying ending for sure. Yeah, you're totally right. It was our first Game of the Year episode, mm-hmm. uh, episode 54, when you picked uh, Walking Dead. So that was up against um, <laughs> this is where you Journey, name a game, <laughs> and then Hero Academy, XCOM, Batman, uh, Arkham City, Skyrim. Mm-hmm. What um, Skyrim? No, really. Oh, sorry, that was our best DLC category. Was oh. Skyrim? So it must have had an. Uh, Banshee thingy come out. That DLC wasn't um, that great. That was uh, Kingdoms of Amalur year. Uh, it was so far. Like Arkham City seems to be the one that's kind of like maybe Ryan was a little off his rocker, but <laughs> that was a sequel. Well, again, that was uh, Arkham City Harley Quinn's Revenge. So that was a DLC thing okay, too. So a so. quiet year is what we're saying. That was the year before yeah. new. No, that wouldn't have been the year before new consoles. Maybe it was just a quiet year. Hero yep. Academy, though, took us by storm. No, that was Mass Effect 3, wasn't it? That year? Wouldn't it have been? Uh, yes, that was Mass Effect 3 and Halo 4, actually. Yeah, both those games had issues. Yeah, because I was going to say, I picked Mass Effect 3 and you picked Halo 4 for best multiplayer of the year. So. Yeah, what was I thinking? I loved Mass Effect 3 uh, yep. multiplayer. But, yeah, it, was, it, it seemed like it was a quiet year and the big games that came out were either sequels or had their own issues. Uh, Dishonored was another one. Um, yeah. Guild Wars 2, Terra. Yeah. 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 I mean, I stand by my choice. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember when season two came out, it's like, so you're going to pick Walking Dead again? It's like, no, like this is more of the same. Like, I think, I think the original Walking Dead season, it was just something. It, it, was, it was something like new and different. Yeah. And by new and different, I mean, obviously there had been games like that in the past, but we hadn't had a, a telltale walking dead type experience 
in like a mainline release in a long time. What was that relationship between Lee and Clementine for the like one of the first times where you have these these two characters that form a relationship from beginning to end? Yeah, uh, and that's not, it's it's an old game, folks. We just spent five minutes discussing how old it is, um, <laughs> and and that relationship between Lee and Clementine has followed Clementine throughout the franchise. But I think they use it very well in this final season. There are callbacks and there are literal flashbacks and dream sequences that occur in previous episodes in this season that that you know bring Lee back and you get that nostalgia. So they, from many different sides of things, they close this chapter off of of Telltale's Walking Dead. And um, I really do think we will get you know Skybound's The Walking Dead in a, in a similar way, but um, they will probably. They will probably get a new engine. I mean, there. I think they were looking at Unreal or mm. Unity, like near the end of Telltale's life cycle. Um, but yeah, it, it's really solid. I think if you've stopped playing The Walking Dead, like you could easily skip three and jump right into this one. Three was not very strong, but I think most people played uh, one and two. I think those were. If you did play, them, I played. Though, I, those I definitely ones. played one, and then I think I played um, the first episode of season two and i just i just so fell off of episodic games like i just i just hate them so yeah i it, mean i i don't think it was that i didn't enjoy walking dead season two it was just like i don't want to stick around and come back to this like the well, council yeah. is probably the most recent one that i played that was an episodic game but that one uh i think came on your recommendation and then um I played the first episode not realizing it was episodic. Yeah. And then didn't play any of it until I came back to it once everything was available. So, yeah, episodic games are tough. I think that the best way to do episodic games is to tighten that window. And really, yeah. when you tighten that window to the point where people are satisfied, is you're literally just, you know, blocking out a game and saying, like, well, we have it finished, but we're only going to release this until, like, yeah, every, and that's every two weeks. That's really funny because it's a conversation that we have in World of Warcraft all the time around like basically time gating. And it's like there's a fine line when you're talking about an episodic game between something that, you know, puts a little piece out and then you're supposed to enjoy that piece while they develop the next piece versus like if you shorten that gap, then it becomes the time gating thing because it's like, okay, well, you can't program and create an entire episode in a month. Mm -hmm. which means you're just holding it back for the sake of holding it back and making it air quotes episodic. Just give it to me if it's ready. So yeah. there's this really kind of delicate balance in terms of like how much time is too much time or too little time. And I mean, I don't like episodic games at all. So I kind of wish they would just release the whole game, but well, still it's surprising <laughs> right now in an age where we have, you know, it's all about content generation, you know, podcasts, Twitch streams, reaction streams, reaction videos. And I'm surprised, you know, time gated episodic gaming hasn't become more of a thing. And it may, it may become more of a thing as, as, uh, as time moves on, but to, that's the culture of, of TV. That was the culture of TV before Netflix. And it's like every episode was once a week and that gave you a week to discuss it with your friends, post about it online, stuff like that. So a time-gated experience of a week-to-week -week game, if it's a strong story and there's compelling, you know, sort of cliffhangers that get you talking, I think podcasts and content generation as a whole would really benefit from that experience. Like 
could you imagine us doing a weekly show if there was a game that came out that had a very strong story, strong mechanics, and it was time-gated over a month for us to enjoy this game, like season one was finished, but you, we were only getting the story one week at a time. Like, going back to that old-school television, you know, the way that they did episodes, I think that would be really neat, a really neat experiment, and I mean... It wouldn't really. I hate everything that came out of your mouth in the last two minutes. Like I just, I hate all I know of that. You, I Ryan, know you I hate everything. It. I know. I, okay, maybe it's a bad idea, and and there are people that will hate it because I think like. Well, I think I so to me the difference mm-hmm. between like say a television show and an episodic video game is that I don't have to do anything to watch a television show. Right, it's a passive if experience. I'm, it's a totally 100% passive experience. So if I am actually playing a game, and I find this quite often, because if you're going to be putting out a, a chunk of a game once a week, then it's not going to be much more than an hour to two hours worth of like gameplay time, right? Right. So if I only have that one to two hours of gameplay experience each week in this game... I, as a gamer, am going to fill my time with a lot of other games. And to me, then it's going to, when I go back to that episodic game, it's going to take me, you know, 15, 20 minutes, like, to remember where I was, to remember my controls, and, like, stuff's going to be different than other games, and just UI pieces, and the, all those little, just constantly switching games, that's always a thing. If I'm constantly switching TV shows, that that's not a barrier at all. It's like I just I watch one thing and then I turn the channel and I watch something else and mm-hmm. I don't lose any of that experience time to reacquainting myself with that world. Most of the time they even say, "Oh, previously on." So I don't even need to remember the one that I watched last week. <laughs> so it's like there's literally nothing is asked of me mm-hmm. to watch a TV show week to week. But there is a little bit more asked of me to play a video game only for an hour or two each week. And if I'm going to lose 25% of my experience to just like remembering my controls and getting used to being in the world again, just to have, you know, a hard stop artificially put into the game, Mm -hmm. then that's not going to be something that I enjoy as a gamer. Yeah, I know. I definitely see that side of things. You're right. Like, cause there, it's like picking up a game. Well, I mean, you play something like the Witcher, um, and then you drop it for three months and try to come back. It's like, uh, what, you know, that's a much more complex <laughs> game, but I mean, yeah. you look at life is strange too. I haven't talked about it since we played the first or since I played the first episode, I still really liked it. Episode two came out, I think in December, but they finally released or known like January, I think. And they release the schedule for the rest of the episodes. It's not supposed to finish until December. So, like, the next three episodes aren't going to be out for another eight months. Yeah. Which is crazy. I understand it takes time to make games. But there's only so much you can talk about experience drag out over a three-month gap. Um, You, yeah. Yeah, see, that might be a case of, like, that is just too far apart. That's too far apart, yeah. For people who jo- who enjoy episodic games, there's a sweet spot there mm-hmm. because if you have if you spend too much time in between these episodes, then you're going to have basically exactly the same problem as I was just talking about of having you know episodes that are too short that come more often because it's like if the episode's too short and it comes more often, then you don't necessarily have time to um, acquaint yourself, like get all that muscle memory and everything else before you're wiping that slate clean with it, jumping into a different game. 
Um, so, I mean, there, there's a sweet spot balance, I think, for mm. episodic content. And I think three months is probably too long. One month is probably not long enough because then, like I said, that's coming into the why don't you just give it to me kind of um, pile. But mm -hmm. uh, maybe a month and a half, two months is, is better. Like, I would expect Life is Strange to release over like six months, like start to finish six months, however many episodes you've got, like, boom, done. But yeah, I I think you're right. Two but months I, is but a... I don't like episodic games. So no. I feel like everything that I say is like, take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> but I, I think for me, uh, you know, I've evolved as a gamer in the sense that, like, I don't have, I have, I have time to play games, as evidenced by me talking about games each week. However, like, I only, I have two to three hour chunks a night. So when, when, when I look at episodic games, I like the idea of having a two to three hour chunk that I know I can finish and, and look forward to what's next. I do understand the critique of it, you know of why people don't like episodic games. I just like those chunks of of gameplay. But I still have the same feeling everybody else does when it ends. It's like, ah, I gotta wait how long? And sometimes they don't announce the roadmap. So you're sitting there like fate is in your hands, Telltale. Like you have you know when the next episode's coming out, but your consumers don't. Um and that that is frustrating. So I like when they announce like and they did that with The Walking Dead. They said here's when all the episodes are coming out. And they did aim originally to have them all out before the end of the year. Um, and then, you know, what happened was unfortunate. Then, yeah, obviously, yeah. But, yeah, I, I'm i still on the fence when it comes to episodic games. Do I want to see every everyone, everyone switch to that format? No, not at all. But would I like to see more great experiences done in that format? Absolutely. But um, it's a fine balance. I think you're right. Like, two months is a good sweet spot, I think, every in between mm -hmm. episodes. Fair enough. So I'm glad that the overall the conclusion was satisfying to uh, The Walking Dead's final season. Mm -hmm. So I, I still probably won't go and play it. But guys, if you played it, then uh, you can always go and chat about it over in our Discord. Uh, something that I gave a very quick look to this week is uh, something I think we're probably actually going to talk about a lot more uh, next week. But Yoshi's Crafted World came out today and mm. I played the demo I had so much fun in the demo and the demo is literally the first episode or the first um the first level. Yeah. I had so much freaking fun in like the most simplistic of simple levels that I just I instantly as soon as I finished the demo went and bought the game. Yeah. Cuz I was really on the fence about it just because um I had bought Yoshi's Woolly World and I mean I I played it. It was pretty cool, but it didn't just like grab me and i don't know if it's like the the mindset that i am in right now with games or what the case is but i literally played the demo and there's so much to it it's like the gameplay is super fun it does all the things that yoshi you would expect him to do like eat bad guys and then he pops out eggs and you shoot <laughs> the eggs at stuff and you do your little floaty jumps and and it has all those things hmm. but then it gave me like real like little big planet feels and then you actually do the levels both ways mm -hmm. so you do the level forwards and you're collecting like coins and flowers like you normally do and then you do the level backwards and you have to it's like a time it's like a time trial where you're trying to um find poochie catch pups the, catch the little poochie pups yeah mm -hmm. and then even after i finished the level backwards and forwards the little guy at the start is like, hey, do you want to go back in that level and find me five cows and then I'll give you something else? And I'm like, 
yeah, I do. <laughs> and so you had to go back into the level again and then shoot the cows with your eggs. And it just, it's like, I don't think I've ever played a starting level of a game that many times in succession and had fun. Like yeah. it, it just, and then, so at the end of the demo, they showed you a whole bunch of like clips of, of later, like this is what you get when you buy the game. And the amount of different environments and mechanics and complicated puzzles that they showed in that little clip show, I was like, wow, okay, Nintendo, I am 100% sold on this because if I can do all of these different worlds in three different ways, at least, like backwards, forwards, and cow tipping, <laughs> then like that's a lot of value for my money. So I picked it up right away after the demo. Yeah, I I played the demo and I, I I've been you know I've been trying to play games with with Caden and it's really tough to find a game that should be played with a three year old uh, where they they can actually engage with it not not the fact that it's a game that's just going over their head but a game that they can engage with and have fun with and the Yoshi world the Yoshi's crafted world they basically have made this world up of uh, household items like a lot of cardboard uh, you know. Um, like paper clips and yeah. buttons and yeah a lot of cool stuff like that and so i played the demo with caden and he he under he was really happy because the first level there's a train so he was really stoked that there was a train and then you go back through the world and he was he was super stoked to go back through the world again and find all those all those puppies and then the fact that they're and i'm not i'm not making light of the game i did have fun but it was just really good to have you know, a game that, you know, Caden could really engage with. And and when the fact that you go back through and, and it, you have to find the cows, which are kind of the new to the Yoshi sort of setup is that you can actually throw eggs depth wise now. So you can throw yes, eggs you can into throw the background. throw things backwards and forwards. Yeah, that yeah. was really cool too. And you kind of discover that when it says, okay, go through and, and hit the cows. So I could say to Caden, okay, Caden, you got to watch the sort of, as I go through the level, you watch for the cows in the background and the foreground. And, and we would be able to engage that way. So that's something he and I haven't been able to do. Like, he, he's not able to play the game. He's not there right. yet. But the fact that he can be given a task of, like, find these items in the background while, you know, daddy plays through the level uh, is is really good. And all three of those versions of the first level had moments like that where you're trying to find the train parts. You're trying to find the poochie pups, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So... Then I, I, and then the demo ended, and of course he's a three year old. He was devastated. He, oh well, I want to play more. And I said to him, "Well, maybe when's this out? Maybe Daddy will pick it up, or Daddy will see." And I, I didn't realize, but I had actually already pre ordered it um, during <laughs> during E3 sale because that yep. seems to be what I do <laughs> in June. And it came today, and and we played a level, and and he and I were playing, and and then I hear Abby kind of like race down the steps, and she pulls herself up on the couch, and she's a year and a half. And I can't get her to sit still for anything. She sat still for the whole time we played that game. We played for about 20 minutes. Uh, and and she was just she was just really into it. And again, not like normal, the way kids will sometimes watch TV, where they kind of sink into their chairs and go like comatose. They're both yeah. like actively like engaging with the content. Um, like pointing at stuff and, and talking to you about it. And Yeah, yeah. So I... I haven't had an experience where I'm enjoying the game and they're enjoying the content. 
you know, it's usually one way or the other where I'm enjoying the game and they don't enjoy the content or they just don't find it interesting. Um, or they find it interesting, but I'm like, oh, this is so... Like, but you I've, feel like your eyes are bleeding and that you'll never get that one stupid song out of your head. <laughs> yeah, or, or my $80 back. Because, like, all games, no matter who they're crafted to, like, they, they cost, you know, real-world dollars. And uh, yeah. there's a Paw Patrol game, but I refuse to buy it because I know it'll be terrible. Uh, but they would love it. Uh, maybe that makes me a bad parent, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, Ryan, you're a horrible parent because you won't (laughs) buy your kids a Paw Patrol video game. (laughs) Oh, man, there's like five seasons on Netflix. Just put it on repeat. It's the exact same thing. (laughs) Um, But no, I'm I'm, I was really digging it and I didn't think I would. But that demo super satisfying. And I think it's still on the eShop if you want to check it out. It is. Yeah, because I, I literally downloaded it and played it three or four hours ago. So sweet. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely still there. It's available and it kicks you or not kicks you, but gives you the option once it you reach like the thanks for playing the demo screen. It gives you the option to hop right into the store straight from the demo. So mm-hmm. it's a seamless experience to throw your money at Nintendo, which is not usually the case. Normally, they make you jump through hoops, hoops to do anything because I don't know. UI design is weird. Yeah, <laughs> but they've they've gotten a lot better at that. Very yeah, this was very, very easy and straightforward, and it should be downloaded now. So I'm super excited to get in there and play some more levels and see how much more difficult it gets as the as the game progresses. So we'll report back on that next week. Uh, Ryan, you spent some time in Division 2 this week as well? Yeah, I've been poking around still in that game. I, I think I'm pretty much playing every other night for a couple hours with, uh, with Matt and just kind of co-oping it up. Um, not really much to, you know, report new. We did kind of go into the dark zone, um, or at least the intro to the dark zone. So the, so the dark zone is kind of, it was, it's a return from the first game where it's essentially this contaminated zone that is, uh, not controlled by the agency or the government or whatever. And in there is kind of a PVE slash PVP experience where when you go in, you find gear that is high level gear that needs to be identified it's considered contaminated gear so you have to take it back to your home base and the way you do that is by airlifting it out and when you airlift it it basically lets everybody else know in the dark zone that someone is airlifting high level gear out um so basically what that means is when that when you start that airlift and there's that countdown for it to for it to go to the to your inventory uh, other players might be like oh i'm gonna become a rogue agent and come over there and take that gear from you so there's a bit of a pvp sort of moment there where you might so can people like do they attack you and have to kill you or do they attack like the payload basically for lack of a better term they attack and kill you and then they can take the gear that you're trying to airlift out and Um, then do they have to then do an airlift too and then so that starts a new timer uh i'm not sure i think so I did, we didn't actually like we just did the intro quest to get the idea but my 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 assumption is that like when you kill when they kill you they can then claim that airlift for themselves so they don't have to start it over they just say like hey instead of going to his inventory go to mine and right. how long is the uh, how long's the timer like how long do you have to defend um, the point basically when I did it it was about like 30 seconds but it might have just been sort of the 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 quest to kind of explain the intro it. yeah yeah i think but it's, I think that, yeah 30 seconds doesn't seem very long because 
I mean, and I, I guess I don't know how big the map is, but I feel like if I saw a ping go off on my map being like, someone's airlifting over here, like, you need time to actually get there and then have your combat. And again, I don't know how long, how quickly people die in Division 2 either, but it seems to be like 30 seconds is a really small window that might not even be worth going over and attempting the PvP portion. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> But if it was like two minutes or something, then that seems could be a little more reasonable to me but but if you like you say if it was just your very first intro quest there's a chance it was shorter than normal yeah i think eventually we'll probably go in and check it out proper just to see because it is kind of the way to the high high risk high reward way to get proper high level loot right um and it is a smaller zone so like in terms of the grand map it is one of the smaller uh zones that you can you can visit so the dark zone is very condensed think of it kind of as like a a multiplayer map to uh like a a campaign shooter you know Mm -hmm. so it's like more of an arena based type thing very compact and there are uh two specific airlift zones so if you were in there just to farm people who were airlifting stuff you could camp that airlift zone and kind of wait for someone to go so you kind of know if someone were to lift uh, airlift gear out, you could just go to that area and and st- sit there waiting for it to happen. Um, that makes a little bit more sense then, because I was picturing like random loot all over a much larger area. So yeah. you know, some travel time and you know some, I guess exploration time for lack of a better term, like uh, time to find your enemy, basically. Uh, but if it's a if it's a fairly small arena and it's one of two lift locations, then that makes the thirty second timer make a little bit more sense. Yeah, yeah. The the dark zones probably like really not our style. Like PvP is it kind of seems like maybe it is a little too high level high high reward type stuff. Where we've been we have been enjoying sort of the questing and sort of the moving throughout the open world. Um, but I have been playing solo as well, and I, and I gotta say like this game falls flat for me solo mm-hmm. i can maybe play an hour before i'm like eh, i'm gonna wait until matt's ready to play you know and that's not like a fault because i think that's you tr- that's me trying to shoehorn like an experience that this game really isn't structured around um right yeah it, it's not that the shooting i think it's a combination of things because we're doing the main missions together so obviously i'm not doing the content that is the most enjoyable i'm kind of just cleaning up projects um you basically yeah uh, so you're doing chores right while you're waiting for yeah matt to jump on so <laughs> essentially i'm doing chores i'm kind of micromanaging lists basically yeah um the combat's fun but when you're doing lists and chores it's like dailies and wow like you would not yeah want to do dailies well, that's, and wow i mean uh, yeah anymore. we were just talking about this on faz where i was talking about because uh, one of the metrics that they talked about at the last q a for wow was they were like oh yeah one of the questions was like you've talked about measuring the experience and the fun of wow like can you talk about how you measure if people are having fun and they're like oh well we look at you know the number of times you log in and how long you play for and i was like i log in and play for a while each day but it's not because i enjoy the content it's because you've given me a list of chores i have to do in (laughs) order to raid at the level that i raid at I'm like, I get two hours twice a week of time I really enjoy and probably 15 to 20 hours of time where I just am doing things that you've made it so I have to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, it's not because I think those things are fun. It's I'm doing my chores. 
<laughs> yeah, and and I mean it might it, it might be a personal the way I'm personally playing this game that I feel like solo is is not really my most enjoyable time with it because you can you can jump into other people's games like there's some great systems where every time you come across like a an activity or a mission you can basically sh- have your character shoot a flare up and that will signal out to people playing online that oh this person's looking for assistance and then those people seamlessly join your group which I have done on occasion, but I'm but I'm trying to avoid you know getting ahead in the game, like doing side missions or main missions. Yeah, you're you're very specifically trying to play with your one specific friend, so mm-hmm. like keeping your games on par with each other, and so that's definitely going to impact your play experience. Yeah, and the other things coming up, like the game is going to be getting its first sort of content update on April fifth, which is uh, just around the corner high level uh, end game type stuff i think is what they're adding so and that's in the year one i think all the dlc is free um in the sense that it'll be added to the game and you just have access to it once it goes live uh and that's being supported by there's a bunch of microtransactions for you know you can buy outfits for your characters and stuff and loot boxes and all that stuff but it's all cosmetic from what i can tell but yeah, I I'm really enjoying it. The combat's really fun. Um, but like I said, like I'm playing it in a specific way where when I have free time to play it, it's not as enjoyable as when I'm playing it in in scheduled timing. And but I do appreciate the systems they've put in place for you know seamless matchmaking and stuff. There's literally yeah. matchmaking stations where you can just like join a group. You know, it works really really well to you know as an online game launching. It's kind of it's refreshing that it works. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm glad you're having some fun in there. I uh, wanted to take a minute here and thank our March patron. Thank you very much to Aaron, who went over to patreon.com slash thegamersin to support the show. We are doing monthly patron highlights now, so if you would like to be our April patron, March is almost over, head on over to patreon.com slash thegamersin, and you could be highlighted for the month of April. That brings us to our topic of the week this week, which we're bringing you some news, odds, and ends. So first off, Ryan, did you watch this uh, reveal trailer? I did. Yeah. Okay. Borderlands 3. Borderlands 3 has been announced with a billion guns. Oh, (laughs) shit. Yeah. Um, Did you play Borderlands or Borderlands 2? I didn't play Borderlands, but I played Borderlands 2. I, I don't believe I ever finished it, finished it. Yeah. But um, we did a lot of like co-op-y things with friends and stuff that was super fun. I, I did enjoy Borderlands 2. I thought the gameplay was super fun. Yeah. And actually speaking of Borderlands 2, I was on Steam this afternoon and actually Borderlands 2, the game of the year edition is on sale for 78% off. It's something like six bucks Canadian right now Ooh. or something. So if you haven't ever played Borderlands 2... Uh, go over and check out the sale on Steam because really, really good deal. Yeah, and the DLC is actually a lot of people felt it was really well done. So yeah, and I'm pretty sure good. that the yeah the game of the year edition includes everything. Yeah. So yeah, it's a absolute deal right now. So and they're adding uh, there was a lot of other stuff announced. Obviously, Borderlands Three is the is the the best announcement out of this sort of gearbox presentation they did but i guess they're doing an ultra hd pack or an update pack for borderlands 2 um i think 
so you'll be able to play it like with with a kind of not remastered but like an upgrade to the to the textures and stuff to the which graphics is nice. engines the textures and yeah yeah but that is um, really cool it's it's interesting because borderlands 2 came out in like 2013 so yeah i do remember playing it as a group with you know listeners and stuff but um i feel like six years have passed and that's a i didn't think i wanted more borderlands but i watched that trailer and i was like you know what it has been long enough i, I could go for some more borderlands and you know i don't i didn't play the pre-sequel i didn't play all of the telltale game but i think this is a good chunk of time has passed and i'm excited to see what they can do with borderlands 3 yeah, me too. I, I thought the trailer did a really good job of of getting me excited for a thing that I didn't even realize that I wanted. And it's that over the top kind of sense of humor and absolute ridiculousness that is Borderlands that I was just like, you know what? I'm ready for some like real stupid, just make it explode type game. <laughs> yeah. And, and what I really like about the Borderlands game is that or the, the series in general, is that 1 to 2 and now 2 to 3, they've established that they're not afraid to bring the Vault Hunters back. So in the first one, they had their four Vault Hunters, and they were all characters on their own uh, that you could choose to play as. And then in Borderlands 2, they brought those characters as NPCs over, and they gave you all new characters to play as. And I really enjoyed that. I thought that was like, oh, man, usually if they're switching in, you know, characters, they kind of move you to a new area where those old characters aren't even seen and then in this one you see the vault hunters from borderlands 2 show up as npcs which i think is it's just super cool to see you've created these characters that people played hours and hours of and you're bringing them back to to have you interact with them again i think that's a, a really nice touch and i'm glad they brought that over to borderlands 3 um but yeah it looks it looks really neat and the villains look really cool like they're these twin characters or something they look really badass. Yeah, I thought they looked pretty cool too. So I'm totally on board for more Borderlands. Uh, but I, I uh, don't think they gave an actual release date, right? It's just no. 2020. Uh, I don't even think they gave a date. They did say April 3rd that they were going to be. Uh... Oh wait, hang on. Uh, no official release date, but earnings call from 2K owner Take Two uh, points to a possible release before fall 2019. Uh, but apparently, you're right, on April 3rd is when Gearbox is going to actually announce the formal release date. So, mm. it's closer than I thought. I thought it was coming next year, so. Yeah. Thumbs up. No, I'm really stoked. I think I think there's room for this game if it comes out in 2019. Because I think people are, are yeah. really, they want to see this game come out. Yeah, and it seems like, and again, like I say, I don't think I ever actually finished the full-on story of Borderlands 2. Uh, I got, I feel like I kept like going through and like co-oping and stuff. And then uh, we'd get other people that wanted to play. So I'd go back. I feel like I've played like the first half of Borderlands <laughs> 2, probably five or six times. But yeah. I don't think that I ever actually finished the story. So I might be wrong in my assessment because I didn't finish Borderlands 2 and didn't play Borderlands 1. But one thing that I noticed in the Borderlands 3 trailer is that there seem to be a lot more environment mm -hmm. like it wasn't just kind of like deserty and stuff it yeah. was you know there was like a city and then there was like a rainforest and then there was like the sort of um 
deserty style borderlandsy world anyways but it just seemed like we were going to go to a lot of different places and have that switch up of environment which i think is also really interesting not there's anything wrong with borderlands aesthetic just staying in the same sort of place all the time but there's always room for expansion right yeah no i i think um the first two games were definitely set on pandora and the i think the pre-sequel which was kind of done by a, a satellite studio for 2k that was like the furthest they got it was on the moon which was interesting but it wasn't you know ground shaking but then you see the locales that they unveil in the trailer and these quick snapshots uh you do get the sense like oh we are they are treating this because borderlands 3 is a borderlands game uh, the first one of its kind on a next-gen platform made for a next-gen platform and there's certain expectations when you look at you know we talked about crackdown 3 when you compare crackdown 3 to 1 and 2 they're very similar and that is kind of a knock on crackdown 3 and that we are in a new generation and there are new expectations on what a game should be in a specific genre so the open world genre like it's kind of you're competing with some heavy hitters so yeah. the same thing goes for shooters. Like there's an expectation for what an open world shooter should be. And I hope that they stick close to the Borderlands 1 and 2 formula while still expanding and surprising us. And I think the worlds they showed is going to do just that. Um, I'm really stoked to see more of, of these worlds and how, how that'll work. Because all I can really think about is driving around in these open worlds. That's the one thing I really remember about Borderlands was like, the open world driving uh, yeah, and running around. So that I was going to say, that's probably because we kept like rolling things and killing people accidentally with, with vehicles and stuff. But, yeah. I yeah, wasn't the greatest the, driver. The driving around though was, was iconic in mm-hmm. Borderlands too. So yeah, I look forward to exploring all of those different locations. I, I think Borderlands three is going to be super fun. I'm stoked. Yep. I'm in. Uh, we also had Apple Arcade that was announced this week. So last week we talked about uh, Google's offering. This seems to be Apple um, hitting back-ish, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. So, I mean, it. although this Apple didn't show us titles along the lines of Assassin's Creed, these are, like, basically mobile titles that you'll be able to play from your phone to tablet to Mac to Apple TV. Mm-hmm. They were very specific in keeping it in the Apple family, as they always are. <laughs> yeah, but... and, you know, when you look at these titles, when you talk about, oh, MacBook and Apple TV, like, the hardware that these are tied to, it is the, lo- the I don't want to say lowest bar, because I think mobile games have come very far, and I I really love some of the games that they've shown off. Um, but the, I, you know, the iPhone is kind of your lowest tier, and all the games kind of adhere to to that at least it looked like they were adhering to that that level i didn't get the sense that some of these were going to be macbook or well no it very much felt like they were they were mobile titles meant for the phone that then you could also play on larger screens basically yeah was that was the vibe i got Yeah, yeah exactly um it's interesting i i mean how i really like premium you know mobile games but i do have a hard time finding the time to sit down and play them um i really love game pass uh that xbox microsoft offers on xbox and pc so i'm kind of interested to see what apple arcade offers i might play more mobile games but i doubt i'll finish more mobile games like that's the thing about subscriptions is like i'm gonna try a bunch of these 
but I'm actually going to find time to finish them. Yeah, That's... and so uh, I don't know if we if we did mention, but it is a subscription service, yeah. and I think like so this isn't going to be something that I do because I have a PC, not a Mac. Mm-hmm. I have an Android, not an iPhone. I have a Chromecast, not an Apple TV. So oh, I literally right. have I literally have no devices that will actually play these things except for the iPad. So and even then my iPad is an iPad Air from like 2013. So even yeah. that's an old piece of tech at this point. <laughs> well, that is a good point. I mean, obviously when we talk about this not everybody has an Apple device. I am steeped in this ecosystem. Uh you know, spoiler alert everybody, like I have an iPhone, an iPad, a MacBook. I don't have an Apple TV. I've never really got that far. Um I don't and I don't even think I would get one for this. I mean, for me, like I'm looking at this and thinking like, oh, maybe I'll be able to try more of these cool, you know, premium iPad and iPhone games. But I mean, removing the Apple side of things, like, would you like to see a similar service offered from Google that was specifically targeted at at, at uh, Google Play games, uh, like a subscription? Um, I don't one? really think so. I mean, maybe it would do, like you said, make me play more mobile titles. Mm-hmm. But right now, I just I don't spend. I mean, well, my mobile title is Hearthstone. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to compete with Hearthstone because it's one of my favorite games. So if I have time to play a mobile title, I'm just going to throw on Hearthstone. Mm -hmm. And I've probably missed out on a lot of good mobile titles because of that. But I don't really, like, I play Hearthstone on my phone in the car because I'm killing time in the car, not because I want to be mobile gaming, you know? And I feel like even then now I have the Switch. So if I wasn't playing Hearthstone, I'd just be playing something on the Switch because there are so many great titles over there now. So I don't think even if this was Google specific, I don't think I would play. Yeah. I th- like I wouldn't subscribe. I, I have enough subscriptions to enough things between <laughs> games and television specifically now. I find I'm paying for TV in eight different places right now it feels like so i i don't think i would add something else to my subscriptions because i just i don't have enough time in the day to really take advantage of it and mobile gaming is at the bottom of my um entertainment hierarchy i guess and that's not saying anything against mobile games like you said i think that there are a lot like they've come really really far it's just that it's not my entertainment of choice because i'm lucky enough to have access to consoles and a gaming pc and you know all these other things so i don't play a lot of mobile games plus i'm also home a lot so again like all of these factors come together to make me not really a mobile gamer not that there's anything against you know people who prefer mobile titles yeah i i'm in the same boat i mean i have a mobile game obviously that i'm when i'm on my phone and have time to play i'm playing fire emblem right because you've yeah, you've got Fire Emblem. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, but it goes back to the, the conversation we had about Walking Dead. I really do like bite-sized experiences, things that I can complete in a couple hours or at least get a good sense of the game in two or three hours or, or find enjoyment in those two or three hours and and, and feel completed. Um, but I, I mean, I like the idea of a subscription. And I think for me, 
I would never have all the subscriptions at once. Like if I have Game Pass mm. active, I'm not. I don't have Apple Arcade. Uh, I, if I activate Apple Arcade, you know, uh, Game Pass takes a back seat. I don't think I'm like you. I don't have a lot of time to play every single game, so I would never have. A, like if they had six different subscriptions across five different platforms, I would. I would only have one at a time. You know, just to check them out one at a time. Um, see and i'm one of those people who is like super lazy and that companies clearly love because i'm like okay <laughs> i want to have game pass and then i forget to cancel it when i go over to playstation and buy their version and then i go over to you know apple or google and buy their subscription like i am i am the kind of person that these companies want because i forget to cancel my subscriptions all the time like i <laughs> might even actually no i think i did remember to actually go and cancel eso so <laughs> I made it a science. Pat, pat on the back, Jocelyn. <laughs> yeah. I made it a science of like activating things and canceling things. Like with Game Pass, I will only subscribe when it's a dollar or something. Because I again I don't have time to play it. And at at twelve dollars a month, I don't have that kind of time. But when there's a deal that I can get access to, it's like, oh well I'll reactivate and get the access to the you know, one or two months that it's offering at a discount and check out some of these games. And if there is a game that comes out that I really want to play, but don't want to, don't want to outright buy, I will activate game pass at full price. But I do, I do like the idea of these subscriptions because it gives people, you know, not like us more access to these types of games and premium experiences on the, it's funny, like Apple saying, Oh, we're going to fix the problem that we created you know, <laughs> on mobile, people are like, well, if it's over 99 cents, it's not worth it. Right. And a lot of these high tier games are like 10, 15 bucks, you know, so which I think they should be. And we've talked about yeah. this before uh, around like the Mario discussion in particular, where like I will take a full game that I don't ever get like pine gated or have to buy a currency or whatever. I will take those over any type of free with microtransactions nickel and dimey game like any day any day yeah. <laughs> so i mean you're right like it is a kind of apple created problem and i am glad that you know they're curating it so that the offerings inside of the subscription are games that are full games that would be you know 10 to 20 bucks on their own in the app store that people seem to shy away from because of the perceived value of like or like they aren't very valuable mm -hmm. uh, because there are so many free and 99 cent app store games so I, I am glad that they're doing this because I think it, it part of the problem with the stigma around mobile games in general right is that they're all free or cheap pieces of crap so mm -hmm. I think this might help to uh, alleviate some of that, or at least put a put a highlight, a spotlight on some of these mobile titles that are super awesome full game experiences. So, I, I think it's a good thing. It's just not something that I'm going to uh, partake in as a only iPad owner. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I don't think this is this is for you. I think it's it's platform specific and it's very Apple. Yeah. So, uh, if you don't own an Apple device that you enjoy playing games on, it's definitely not. Not for you, but it's uh, it's for a lot of people, for sure. There are a lot of Apple yeah. users, and yeah, looks like some great games that are going to be coming out this fall. One other quick piece of news for you guys this week. Uh, PlayStation has taken a page out of Nintendo's book, and they've started to do PlayStation Directs. I mean, 
PlayStation State of Plays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they're basically a standalone PlayStation events that they're using as a platform to do announcements. So uh, this most recent um, PlayStation State of Play, I almost said PlayStation Direct again, but yeah. <laughs> PlayStation uh, State of Play uh, very much was kind of like VR focused. And one of the titles that they said was coming this year is a VR title called Vacation Simulator. And I'm just like, that just seems like the saddest thing I've heard ever. <laughs> it's like you can't actually go on vacation, but put the goggles on and you can pretend that you're at the beach. It makes me so sad. Some people don't have beaches, Jocelyn. I know, I know, but oh man. VR is a weird experience for me. Like a lot of people were losing their minds over that Iron Man VR thing. And I watched mm -hmm. it and I was like, eh, that looks a little janky and like more janky than VR is expected to be. Like when you yeah, compare it to No it Man's Sky, me. it just, it, it didn't look quite on par. Yeah. So I don't have uh, any type of VR equipment in the house. Like it's, I'm not a VR gamer. There's, some games that I've really enjoyed in a, like, screen type way, like Subnautica, but that I would never actually do in VR because I just don't like that full immersion setting. Like, VR is not for me. So I haven't paid as close attention to VR as some people have. And so, but to me, it seems like VR is still kind of stuck in this place where it's just not quite there yet mm -hmm. in a lot of cases. Is that true? Because I know you do have some some VR equipment and I you do. have played some of the games. Yeah, I, I, have, uh, I have an Oculus Rift and I have the touch controllers. And I think there's... It's it's getting there. The games are there. Uh, they're few and far between, though, like strong experiences. But the hardware is, is, is catching up. So this spring... And this has nothing to do with PlayStation, but this spring, Oculus is going to be releasing their uh, new Oculus Rift S and the Oculus Quest, which are two headsets that don't require external tracking, which is a huge deal because setting up a VR experience with those uh, those IR trackers is like it's 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 so much work, and you bump mm. those those IR scanners, and suddenly you have to recalibrate the whole thing. Um, but these new these new headsets that are coming out, they're all in. I think they're internally tracking. They're internal trackers, so it's all it's all just the headset, and you plug it into your computer, and you're good to go. And in the sense of the Quest, uh, there's no there's no cables. It's like the Go, except it has uh, the touch controllers as well. Um, but yeah, the Iron Man VR thing, like I think it's great. You're gonna have an Iron Man VR game. Uh, people with PS VR will play it, but it doesn't quite look like a, a game that i would run out and buy uh psvr for none of these well games i think that, that i think that's maybe what the big barrier to entry with vr and then so why the games are maybe not progressing as quickly as we would like them to in terms of the tech and the polish is just because the hardware is not as prevalent as, you know, any of the consoles or as PCs or whatever. Like, it is still a huge barrier to entry. It's an expensive piece of kit, and it's like you are picking it up if there's games, but they're not making games unless people pick it up, right? So it's this, like, 
feedback loop of, well, I guess we're just not going to invest a lot in VR because no one's buying the the games, but no one's buying the games because no one's buying the hardware, but no one's buying the hardware because like, you know, so it just keeps kind of going, going, going. And it's VR has just been this kind of like edge case in gaming. So I'm glad that like PlayStation is is kind mm-hmm. of focusing on it a little bit more. And there are there were quite a few different things that they talked about. <laughs> they even got their pretty Five Nights at Freddy's in VR just yeah. sounds like my like I I'm pretty sure I would just pee myself if I if I played that game. Like I just I why would you ever play? in VR. It just seems like my nightmare. Well, that's the thing. I've played some VR games, but I'm playing more of the experiences uh, that are not horror games. Like I have no interest in playing horror games in VR because not only are you being scared by the game, just somebody walking into the room and saying, hey, uh, you know, Ryan, can you help me with something? Is just going to send you through the roof. And that's an expensive piece of hardware to have on your head to put through the roof. Um... (laughs) So no, no, thank you. Uh, But I'm, I I agree with you. I think it's great that PlayStation is, is considering VR and working with VR and continuing to support the PSVR because, uh, you know, if you look at the Kinect, man, Microsoft dropped that like a hot potato. Yeah. Um, I mean, it didn't have the greatest start this generation, but PlayStation easily could have looked at PSVR and said, ah, we, we can't make this work. It helps that they're the only ones in the market from the console's perspective but yeah um i'm not yeah the no man's sky vr that was announced is also coming to the oculus and steam so i'm not necessarily thinking oh i'm missing out but it's great that the psvr is getting similar experiences to those on the pc that's really Mm -hmm. good very, very true. Uh, the other thing that we got out of this PlayStation event was, like I mentioned uh, earlier, when we were talking about Walking Dead, Days Gone does have a firm release date now of April 26th. So I'm I'm kind of looking forward to that one, actually. I think it, yeah. it looks interesting. So I might wait, because I assume that Days Gone is something you're going to pick up, right? Yeah, I have pre-ordered it. Uh, I kind of watched the first trailer and then a couple of E3 presentations, and then I've completely stopped watching trailers. I think... A lot of the podcasts I listen to, a lot of the, the coverage I watch, people have been, you know, hot and cold on the experience. And most of the people who are really cold on it are just like, zombies, open world game. And I'm like, okay, guys, like, we get it. You don't like open world games that feature zombies. You think it's passe. Let's move on. Um, they've played the game. So obviously they have, they have, they can form a very educated, you know, opinion. But for me, it's like, I want to experience this one for myself because I'm thinking people are just kind of burnt out um yeah if people are just down on or burnt out on zombies then i mean they're not gonna like days gone regardless of what the gameplay is like right so exactly and i think if you if you combine like a genre you're not a fan of with you know standard open world experiences yeah that's a recipe for you not liking the game and they're fully they're fully on board they're fully upfront about that it's like it's just not for them but for me um, i know i'm gonna enjoy this experience so i'm i've kind of stepped away I didn't even yeah. watch the state of play. Like I thought it was quite, uh, quite awkward. <laughs> I kind of, <laughs> I kind of stepped away from it. I think Nintendo has obviously had their fair share of awkward directs, but they've had like the last four years to kind of perfect. Yeah, they've been doing it for a while now, so they're they're a lot better at it than these other companies. But I think PlayStation will get better at it over time. But yeah, 
I think for me, I'm not necessarily, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of zombies, period. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, the thing that I'm getting a little bit sick of and I wish they'd move away from, although it is obviously the easiest way to do it, but I just wish they'd move away from all of these post-apocalyptic things. <laughs> I'm getting a little bit burnt out on the idea of the world has ended and now what happens? And obviously you can take the now what happens in a lot of different ways. I mean, like Horizon Zero Dawn did it. There's people doing it. Zombie apocalypses and nuclear apocalypse apocalypses like there are multiple apocalypse now <laughs> people are, are taking advantage <laughs> of what it's actually going to look like after the fact but i think i'm just kind of done with those like movies and stories and can't we can't we get on to something else now <laughs> yeah i i it's funny this could be the year where we get days gone and the last of us part two so you yeah. know if you're if you're a fan of zombies it is the year i suppose but yeah, I, I don't know. It looks like a lot of fun. The trailers that I've seen, you know, snippets of, I've also thought looked really good. So, yeah, I, ever since the announcement trailer, I mean, it looked like a really interesting game, and for me, it kind of looked like um, something I was going to be totally down for and totally interested in until they were like, "Oh, the bad guys are zombies," and then I was kind of like, "Oh man, zombies, okay." But then they were like, "Okay, well, they're going to be like." fast moving swarming zombies and i was like oh okay so different take than the you know slow moving stuck on stuff jump out of closets type zombies these are the like it's almost like a wave of water and i'm just gonna drown and die and i have to figure out how to you know herd them and get to high ground and things like that and that to me is is interesting gameplay using zombies as a threat so something i'm more on board with so i'm looking forward to seeing what you say about it and then that'll probably dictate whether or not i pick this up yeah not much longer to wait and i'll definitely be uh yeah only one more month so (laughs) yep we'll uh we'll check it out in a month's time that's gonna do it for us tonight thank you guys so much for listening if you'd like to join the conversation in between episodes you can head on over to bit.ly slash tgi discord you can also visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com and follow us on twitter you can find me jocelyn at joss plays brian is our murphy and don't forget to follow the show at the gamers in the video versions of all our episodes are streamed on Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash thegamersin. And the VODs are available after the fact over on Twitch. If you'd like to email the show and let us know what you've been playing, please do so at info at gamersinpodcast.com. Thanks for staying at the Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>